What is the latest, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Uglin and Ronnie Flores here with you for episode number 107. We have a few topics on the docket today, Ronnie, uh, mainly the, the uh, Fab 50 preseason national rankings that you you put across. Um, there's going to be some edits already. Already there's going to be some, some changes soon coming sure. soon, but uh, uh, let's jump in first to the NBA top 75 uh, player rankings that were released last week. Um, you know, Twitter kind of went crazy when those those dropped. You know, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is who were the snubs? Um, sure. And, you know, I, I want to throw it to you first because you've been around and watching the game much longer than I have, so your snubs go further than mine do. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on the, the 75 rankings? And then who do you think were the biggest snubs? Yeah, you know, my first take on the 75 rankings is when you look back at it 25 years ago when they did the 50, when the 50th anniversary of the league, and it was a pretty big celebration back then, even though there was no social media. It was a, it was a big announcement. They brought them out, and, and most of the guys were obviously still around that were on that first 50 is that those first 50 guys are still all made it. So as the game has progressed, they, like, threw in a couple guys that – People thought were snubs at the 50, which would be the main one I think everybody was talking about is Dominique Wilkins. The the Atlanta, I mean, he is the reason the Atlanta Hawks are even relevant. Like the Atlanta Hawks are like a Bush League team without Dominique Wilkins. I mean, be honest. I mean, they they he was the Atlanta Hawks. So it was good to see him make it. I thought he was a top 40 player then. I still think he's a top 50 player now. You know, um, so yeah, you know, with some of the older guys I think that should have made it. And then there's some guys that I think you have to watch Devin and watch in time where it's different than like reviewing their stats or how much time they made all NBA or, or anything like that. So my, my number one snub is Bernard King, the former Nick and bullets. Great. Um, Bernard is obviously a great college player and, and he was just tailor made for the pros. He was even better in the pros. Uh, just a fantastic score. And also one of the best players in the league. I think the other players in the league knew how good he was. And for a while there, he before he had an, an injury, I guess he's really like the first player that come back from like an ACL injury, like and become an all-star again. Obviously, that wasn't with the Knicks. That was with the Bullets. And he was a little bit older. But, um, you know, Bernard was an impact player, meaning he was one of the best players in the league in his prime and made an impact to say, hey, the Knicks can can turn this around. The Knicks can... Um, you know, maybe win a, some playoff series with this guy. I think there was too many guys on that list that is like maybe they accumulated stats or they accumulated honors. And and I don't recall the impact being as great. Or they were young guys and pe- they were kind of speculating. You know, obviously some of the younger guys that made it like Damon Lillard. Is Damon Lillard better than Bernard right now? Or like Walt Bellamy is another guy I look at. Artis Gilmore, who was a dominant player and a dominant center in a time when there was dominant centers. And then uh, you go to more contemporary guys. The two guys that stand out to me are, are Dwight Howard, who's a currently uh, playing with the other top 75 guys on the Lakers, and then Dennis Johnson. Did he get snubbed because the Celtics already have so many great players off that 80s team? But are they forgetting what he did in Seattle? So that NBA Finals MVP, you know, all-NBA player, one of the best defensive, defensive players of all time. I think he's still getting, even in, in his passing, unfortunate passing, I still think he's still underrated or still getting the shaft, so to speak. Yeah, those are those are great names. And 
I think Bernard King, Ronnie, if he played in, in the new age of basketball that we're in right now, he would score a lot of points because oh, that dude yeah. was a basket straight up. Yeah. He's a basket um, and then he's a big time rebounder yeah. and mean and tough. Like I, I see a guy like Carmelo Anthony and he's a great offensive skill player. Like people didn't fear him around the basket like they do Bernard King. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, just again, Carmelo has the accolades. He's been around. He's a 25, 26 point a game score for his career. But he hasn't played in a series yet, Devin, in his career where people are going to be like, he's playing another against another great team or another great player, and he's going to be the difference maker and win. Yeah. He hasn't done it. I mean, he had a chance with Denver. They didn't do it. Yeah. So I, I don't see him. I see him as one of the guys that maybe he could have made the 100, 100 for 100. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, 25 years later, there's going to, they're going to probably extend it to 100 players, and then hopefully some of these guys get on. Um for me, Ronnie, I think the the biggest snub for me would be would be Clay Thompson, and I think yeah. I think he's a victim of recency bias because he just hasn't played in a couple of years because of injuries. Sure. sure. And you know, you, you have a guy who is you know one of the best shooters of all time that the game has ever seen, along with you know Steph Curry and Reggie yeah. Miller, and um, you know you can go on and on about the best shooters, but sure, Clay Thompson is just he's he's not flashy. Um, he's not, you know, Kyrie Irving finishing package. He's just a, a, a all around really good basketball player. And he's, you know, an underrated defender, but I think he was left off because he hasn't played in two, three years now. Yeah. So and I, and I also think Clay has played maybe six or 700 career NBA games. So people are kind of like, you know, he hasn't had his own team. And then, like you said, he missed a couple years. Yeah. He just hasn't played in a whole lot of games compared to like, somebody who's made the list and is on there because of longevity. That's kind sure. of interesting with Bill Walton too. You know, he missed so much time in his NBA career, but I guess a, a big other point we want to make, and I think you'd agree with me is this you, I want to see players that were considered the one of the three or four or five best players in the league at the time when they were in their prime, make it. So that's why I have no problem with Walton because he was literally one of the best players in the NBA when he played. So. Yeah. And people my age, Ronnie don't really, never yeah. really watched Bill Walton live or sure. all they know is he was always injured and he was you know, things injured. like that. So yeah. and it's tough because you have a 88, 88 voting panel, you know, yeah. 88 people on a voting panel. And it's like, how many of these people have seen basketball from the fifties until yeah. now? Right. Like yeah. it's really difficult to get a, a true read on it, but it's good for debate. And I think another guy, you know, Dwight Howard, nah, he's, he's kind of just iffy for me. Um, I think, you know, at, at one point when he was with Orlando, was he one of the top, you know, three, four players mm -hmm. in the league? Probably. Yeah. And that's uh, what I'm know, saying about him leading that team to the finals compared to sure. Carmelo doing what? No, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think if you're going to debate those two, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Carmelo off yeah. and put Howard on maybe. I mean, the, yeah. but the, the thing is like the Western conference was way tougher than the Eastern conference during sure. that same time. So sure. it, you got to look at all those different things, but uh, I think a, another snub an international guy, Manu Ginobili, I think, yeah. hit, you know, he came over and, you know, he helped his first uh, four championships or five championships. And um, he got, you know, maybe overshadowed by a Tony Parker, by a Tim Duncan, by a David Robinson. Um, but the modern, like the modern day moves, like the modern day Euro step and things like that. Manu Ginobili was really the guy who kind of introduced that move into yeah. the NBA, and I think his impact, uh, not only from like a culture standpoint, being a you know the greatest player in Argentina national history, 
but just what he brought to the NBA and everything he did for the for the league, I think he probably deserved a spot on the seventy five, and hopefully he's on the hundred when it gets when it gets uh, released. Yeah, hopefully we're around, and when they release that, <laughs> hopefully I'm around. Uh, You'll be 25, around. Twenty five, twenty five years. How old am I? I'm thirty four. Yeah, yeah, I might be around. I might be yeah, around. You know, <laughs> I think that goes back to what you said about the impact. You yeah. have to, if you look at Manu Ginobili thirty years from now, twenty five years from now, when that hundred comes out, you might just look and say, ah, he averaged fifteen points. Or so. If you didn't watch him, is impact offensively his impact uh with the team making them better uh even i could you can make an argument for tony parker there he was really one of the difference makers on a team that a franchise that won you know four championships in his time and when you add david robinson and that early one that's five you know with, yeah. with tim duncan who obviously deserves to be on so you know that's where you get in kind of with like i'm saying with dennis johnson and you know NBA Finals MVP. That's that's a lot of things that people don't have on that resume. And it's not like he just wasn't a player, like a role player who just stepped up for that finals. Like he was an all-star. Right. And he was an all-star there in uh Phoenix and in Seattle. And it's unfortunate that team kind of broke up very early uh in the Pacific Division. They were people thought they were gonna be a really great team in the early 80s with with, with Gus Williams and downtown Freddie Brown, Dennis. They had a, a good Jack Sick, but they had a good core. And then they lost to the Lakers in the 80 Western Finals. And, and DJ was kind of the goat there, you know, kind of the scapegoat. And then he he got, you know, traded. So he, he had a difficult reputation there in his early early years, as some players do. You know, then yeah. you get to the to the thing of, like, reputations, who was on TV a lot. Like Alex English got people think he's a snub. He was a great scorer, all-time scorer in the 80s. In the 80s, one of the best competitive errors that people love to talk about. You know, when the game went to new heights, as far as popularity, he scored the most points. But I mean, who really saw, like to your point earlier, who really saw Alex English playing in a big game for the Denver Nuggets in the mid 80s? Like, I, I don't think there's that many people. Right. And that's kind of the issue that comes back to, you know, the voters. It's like, I, I think they did a good job of yeah. of uh, diversifying the panel and, you know, bringing old and new together. And here's the thing. If we're sitting here today and we're debating, you know, Clay Thompson, Dwight Howard, Manu, yeah. Bernard King, uh, Dennis Johnson. Like, they did a pretty good job. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's no, I don't think there was any huge, like, overwhelming snubs. No. Uh, it's a, that's a hard, that's a hard job to have is to, to vote those for 75 top NBA players. Um, so, uh, kudos to them putting that list together. Uh, hopefully, we're here in 25 years from now and um, can see the next list when it's 100 players but uh ronnie let's let's close this out with uh some thoughts on uh younger players so should have the younger players made the list number one like a damian lillard number two which young players in the league now can you see being on the list 20 years from now yeah when you look at the young players i think it's a little surprising that damian lillard's on there um that, that's the name we were speaking about especially some of the guys we mentioned that are left off like you want to honor the guys that are kind of done, the guys that have passed. Uh, obviously, nobody came off the list from the previous list, so nobody's going to come off the list the next time. You know, right. it, 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 they're just going to honor a few guys. They probably feel the guys we talked about. I don't. Is there going to be twenty-five great players to come along in the next twenty-five years that will take up all those spots? Not completely, because mm -hmm. it's just too much history. You know, the, is, is there going to be another LeBron James? 
that plays, in, you know, well into his almost his 40s, like a Tom Brady type? Or are those guys going to be a thing of past because the money's so big? And even look at like college sports, guys are sitting out games. They don't want to get hurt. It's all the load management thing. That's that's going to stay if the money stays big. So I don't think there's going to be 25 guys that are come along. So like you said, they're going to honor some of those guys. And I think they could have waited. Like if Damian Lillard's, uh, you know, 15-time All-Star, and he has a great career, and he's in the Hall of Fame, it's going to be plenty of accolades. Like, the, you know, the, only, the guy that they really, like, kind of projected on on the first list was Shaq. He made it. Mm -hmm. He was only, like, in his fourth season. I get that. It, that like, proved to be right. That, that proved to be good. But, like, Damian Lillard is not Shaq. He's not, like, the most dominant player in the game or the on a championship team. I, I think he could have still built up. So I, I like to honor some of the older guys, get people talking about them. But uh, overall, like you said, I, I think they did a good job. And as far as young players, like we said, this draft, we talked, we covered these guys in this last draft a lot. And the lot you talked about it, you kind of nailed it. You thought uh, two years ago that the the Warriors should have selected Lamelo Ball. That's a guy to look at. The Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham group. I mean, they're Cade is hurt, but they're off to a good start. It seems like like they have an impact. You know, and then the other guy I look at, and again, I don't think he's going to finish there in Minnesota is Anthony Edwards. Like his talent level is super high. So I think one of those between Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Anthony Edwards, or Namella Ball, I, I would maybe think one and maybe two of those guys might be candidates down the line 25 years from now. Yeah, I'm with you with this young group. I think um, with the way that, that Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards have kind of come into the league and just – yeah like assimilated so easily. And, you know, Anthony Edwards is a highlight reel. Um, he's, he's shooting the three ball much better than I expected him to at the NBA level. And LaMelo Ball is just a high level playmaker all around player. I yeah. mean, he's a, he's, he's a box office type player. So, um, and I think, you know, this current rookie class, uh, Evan Mobley is playing rookie of the year type basketball right now. And sure. We haven't we haven't seen Cade yet. Um, uh, I thought he was going to make his debut over the weekend, but I'm not sure if he did. Uh, but obviously, yeah. he has the talent to to be able to do it, and uh, Jalen Green has the talent to be able to be one of those guys. So I can see, you know, 25 years down the line, I can see probably three to four of the really young group in the top 25 wow. of all time. Yeah, I mean um, that means that that's a hell of a group. I mean, from two years yeah. in the league. It's a great group. I, I do notice the Rockets, they're as we talked about in the draft special months back when these guys got there, like the Rockets are not a good team. They're just not no, that they're good. Bad. They're yeah. really bad. I mean, they need work. I mean, Jalen has his nights. He's going to have some good shooting nights, and he's probably going to have some bad shooting nights because they, they just don't have a talented team. You know, it looks like it, the Cavs uh, yeah. have built a little something. You know, they have a couple yeah. of nice little core. They, they got work to do to get in the playoffs and make an impact still, and that was my point with some of the guys that, we're in the in the seventy five list. It's like where's the the impact on winning? But so they're young teams, they're young players, and they got ways to go. I, I think people love what Charlotte is doing with Melo and I guess PJ oh, Washington, yeah. right? And then I want to give a kudos before we change subjects here, shift gears is Scotty Barnes, the number four pick, Toronto. I mean, he's people are like, is this guy going to play in the All Star game? Like wow. he's that good. His numbers are that good. Maybe, but so I mean, again, I'm not saying he's going to be a top seventy five player to a hundred player down the line but i just wanted to give him his kudos as the fourth pick like he's playing really well like he's adjusting no doubt. 
he's the offensive everybody's all of them. I don't know about his offense. Like he's figured it out. Like he he's sure. figured out a way to make an impact. I was one of those I was one of those people who questioned his offense and how he would he would project, yeah. but obviously he proved me wrong and I'm happy to see that. So let's move over, Ronnie, to something that happened in Southern California high school football uh last week. And that is Inglewood High School. We're gonna touch on this real quick. Inglewood High yeah. School football beat Morningside High School, which is also in Inglewood. So it's a rivalry game. It sure. beat them 106 to zero. So let that sink in for a second. Okay. Now, now that you've digested it, let me say the quarterback who is committed to UCLA, Justin Martin, very talented player, good kid, sure. um, threw for 13 touchdown passes. And from everything I've read, everything I've read, that's the most touchdown passes running in the last 100 years of football being played, <laughs> high school football being played. Um, from what I've heard, he played well into the second half and at one point, Inglewood was up 100 to four and late in the game and decided to go for a two point conversion. And obviously, you know, with the final score being 106 to zero, the two point conversion was good. Um, <laughs> you covered, so, I just pictured that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot of, so a lot of people don't know, Ronnie, but you, you know, yeah. covered high school football in depth yeah. uh, for since. Gosh, the nineties, right? Yes. So yeah. have you ever seen any number one, have you ever seen anything like that? And uh what are your thoughts on one hundred and six to zero? Yeah, well, my first thought, Devin, is ninety-six to zero or eighty-five eighty-eight to zero, much different. Like it happens. I think the two point conversion at the end when you're up hundred and four to zero, that that that's gonna get everybody worked up, riled up, that's gonna get national media involved. And then of course, you got bozos out there that make all these graphics we didn't have that that was what was in wood was before you make all these social media graphics like look at this score it just highlights it so much but you know uh yeah i mean it's happened before very interesting Debbie. like you said we with with cal high sports i covered a lot of football in previous years and and we keep the state record books yeah. um it, 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 i give you a funny thing about this story the 106 score it's it's not close to a state record. It's not even the school record. Inglewood and <laughs> you know, Inglewood, Inglewood is a very old high school. But first of all, you know, it's, yeah. like you said, it's been around over a hundred years. In nineteen fourteen, the Sentinels beat San Fernando one thirty six to zero. <laughs> so like, it's not even the school record. You know, like it's just funny because again, those type of scores have been around. Those have usually been associated with running the ball and obviously you get to a running clock and you can't stop the second string. You can't stop the third string. I mean, like I heard some real wild stories about this game that at one point, some morning side guys were taking a knee like on snaps. They were just taking a knee. Like that's where the, the uh, you know, the, it becomes a, a shit show. So to speak, I think is it is yeah. even a game in your passing, you know, when did the quarterback exactly come out? Did he come out at all? When did the, you know, it was, when did the first stringers come out? in the first quarter, you know, the, those details seem to be a little muddy, but it's not shocking. I just think going for the two, it's kind of like, it just puts it in a bad light, but there's a lot of games, Devin, and we see them in basketball too, you know, 84 to 10, 91 to four, especially on the girl side, it happens a lot. So I'm not, this is not like, Oh my God, news to me. It's just, I think the two point conversion when you're up one Oh four is that's, what's getting everybody worked up, you know, but, more details need to be worked out. But, I mean, I see what people are saying. Like, why doesn't Morningside play better? But here's the honest to God truth, Devin. 
Inglewood is not even that good. Line them up against modern day or sorry, they, 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 they get lose. They're not even that good themselves. I mean, that's just where we are in high school football, unfortunately. You've got schools that have only 15 players on them right now. They're not uh, – it's a tough time. I mean, we've had a tough time in L.A. with with these COVID lockdowns and protocols. I mean, some people are really struggling at football. So I, I, Morningside has a strong tradition. They've had strong players in the past. You, you just hope that this is not a, you know something that reoccurs and that Inglewood's like goading on it. It, it. It's not a good look. Yeah, I have you know a bunch of follow up questions, right? I wanna I wanna hear, you know, when you know did the starters play the entire game? Like, were they throwing you know passes thirty yards down the field, or were they throwing shovel passes? Like, yeah. do they have a backup quarterback? Uh, yeah. Do they have a kicker? Right, like some of these schools don't have kickers, Ronnie. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, our kicker who can make theory. a field goal. Yeah. So what is the um, Devin Rich give you some perspective? What is the like the weakest team you've covered this year, like to, if you had a little game, did you do you, uh, recall? Honestly, like uh, yeah, all the teams. So like they're all all the teams I cover for the times are good, but um, I, I'd say the the weakest team would have been uh, the lowest level team would have been San yeah. Clemente. Okay, um, they're pretty good. Or, That's pretty good. Yeah, they're a good team. They're a really good team. So um, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen much lower level football since I, I worked for the Orange County Register when I was covering like Santa Ana area, like yeah. Seagrass Drum or Santa Ana Valley or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or things like that. But a lot of these schools running, especially on the football side nowadays, they don't, they don't really have the numbers to be like, Oh yeah, they we have a third string quarterback. Yeah. Correct. That's what I'm worried about too. With like you said, Morningside, again, most schools that have proud tradition. It's like how, how bad and people are not making seeming the problem. Why is Inglewood that much better than Morningside? That to me Correct. is my bigger issue. What's going on there? Is it the numbers? Is it, you know, all the good players are, are, are transferring into to Inglewood? And how good is Inglewood? I know they're going to play undefeated uh, St. Bonaventure, Bonnie, I believe, in the crowd. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be interesting if Bonnie beats them, you know, 42 to, to 12 or something. You know, how good is 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 Inglewood? So I, I think football's got a bigger problem. That just highlights the problem. Like, to me, Morningside should never lose to Inglewood by 100. Like, it should be a great game. You know, right. again, I know things happen. They're not always good. But, you know, we, we do have – football has some bigger problems like that. Just with participation, like you said, they don't have a third string. Now you're talking about guys that are – you know, some guys have 25 players, 30 players. Some schools have forfeited games. Devin, late this season, I saw it. And, you know, Sondheimer is always on that. Like, we only have 18 players. We have to forfeit. Right. And a lot of the teams who have 25 players running, obviously guys are playing both ways. On every right. snap. So, yeah, I think I think before I give a, a full comment or thought process on, uh, you know, the score differential, I want to know, you know, the numbers. I want to know, you know, did they have a second string? I want to know uh, what exactly the throws look like. Yeah, you know, all, there's so many different yeah, factors that I go into it. People that are worked up about it are my age and older. But yeah. they're thinking of football when they played in the 70s or 80s, whatever, when you had 80 guys. Mm -hmm. uh, both teams had the even number of guys. Uh, the game was uh, a physical and running game, and and let's just run the clock out. We're up forty to zero. Put in the third string, and and, and we just run. But nowadays, it's not really like that. You, you're playing twenty five guys, maybe, and they're passing the ball every down. And if one team is more talented than the other, the score is going to get out of hand. You, you know, know what? The, the, the lowest level team. 
Yeah, the lowest level team I saw this year, Ronnie, was Dominguez out of Compton. And sure. they had limited numbers, Ronnie. Sure. Limited numbers. And yeah. Warren beat them handily. Um, yeah. And Dominguez threw the ball almost almost on every snap. That was the game where the third quarter took over an hour to complete uh, because wow. uh, Dominguez continued to throw. And it was all like every pass was basically incomplete. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's right. just and that's it, what it, I'm it highlighted a bigger problem. It highlighted a bigger problem. Um, but yeah, the two, so my final thought on this, Ronnie, the, the 104 to zero, the two point conversion, maybe just, you know, maybe just kind of run it and fall, like run, yeah. run and fall before the, the goal line. I, yeah, but, I mean, that's uh, what other people are saying. What is Ingo supposed to do? Just take a knee and and not play either. So at that, I, point, I, I, at that point, you call the game. Yeah. At that point, if you're just and, and, if you're and there's been games like that call. The two things yeah. that are funny people are making fun of, they're like, oh, Inglewood, you know, morning it's karma for Morningside for Lisa Leslie scoring 101 points and a half in a girls' game. You know, that's a famous game where the second half wasn't played. So there's been two famous games where a second half wasn't played. Similar to that is the Lisa Leslie Morningside game against South Torrance, which is a huge story in itself. We we don't have enough time to talk about that story, but that one on one, you know, 101 points and a half. People are like, wait a minute, she played a half. How did she do that? That was a little <laughs> bit of people thought was a little bit of a mockery. She's obviously one of the greatest players ever. And it yeah. was against South Torrance, who was totally overmatched. And then the other one that was famous was uh Wilson High versus Lincoln High in East LA and LA City. And uh Wilson had a great record-setting quarterback, and they kept onsiding, onsiding the kick. You know what I mean? They kept recovering, and they they were winning like sixty-three to zero at halftime. And Lincoln didn't come out for the second half because Ron yeah, Springfield. Out. Yeah, they they left at halftime. So you know, could the refs have just called the game at the end of the third quarter? I know they had a huge lead at halftime. You know, uh, meaning in the England Morningside game, the, their lead was huge after the first quarter. It's like you said, yeah. the first quarter probably took an hour, and it was just yeah. passing, passing, passing. And 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 it's just a different game than I think what even me would look at or what a person older than me would look at be like, how did this get out of hand? Well, you have these teams that don't have numbers, and they have generally not as weak of players as the other team, and they're trying to pass. Well, that's just giving the other team more time on the clock, and they're going to run up the score again. You know, like it's going to take them two snaps to score again. You know, so yeah. it, it, in that, uh, you know, that, that happens, and let's hopefully it doesn't happen. But it's going to continue. You know, there's been some lopsided scores, and even worse, Devin, you said to the pointer to the bigger problem, teams have to forfeit eight games, seven games, eight games in because they don't have enough players. Yeah. Which is that's worse the, than the 104. Uh, to, it's worse because they the kids are not even given the opportunity to play because it's just yeah, no yeah, especially Especially yeah. in the inner cities, Ronnie, and city yeah, section yeah. teams, or, or yeah. I think they're – they're feeling the hit the biggest right now. So um, let's jump into, so before my wife kicks me off this podcast for her meeting, cause she's more important. Let's jump into your fab 50 national sure. ranking preseason list. Uh, Ryan, let's break down starting. You want to start one to 15 or you want to start uh, bottom to top? Yeah, let's, let's do the bottom of the top, you know, teams 31 okay. to 50. Um, we did broken in three parts on ballslife.com. Obviously these are very, very good teams as we, as we talk about, uh, high school across the, the country. But I would say there's probably 10 teams that, that had a strong case to be in there. I think the biggest thing for us, Devin, especially the teams we see a lot of is locally. We we have Sierra Canyon at number nine. 
and the, the defending uh, Southern Section Open champs, Corona Centennial at 14. But there really is no consensus third team, and there's no third team in there. So, you know, it's a big gap right now on paper. Obviously, there's been a bunch of fall leagues. Things can change, and things will change as, 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 we, as we know. And who is that team? So when you look at some of the teams at the bottom, and, and they're very good teams, you know, and, and you know a team can play with them. So I, I look at a team like, let's just go 45, Ballard of Louisville, Kentucky, number one team there. St. Mary Prep of Orchard Lake, Michigan, which is 47. Uh, they kind of were in a battle with Grand Blanc and that state to be the top team. But the best player for Grand Blanc just recently left to, to Illinois. So that's why uh, St. Mary Prep got that nod. So there's always movement. There's been a, there's been tons of movement this offseason. I mean, we can spend a whole pod just talking about that. Carver, Louisiana, very good, 29-2. and two, And then Seattle Prep. And the reason I'd like to, to talk a little bit about Seattle Prep is they played at the Section 7, and, and Harvard-Westlake uh, defeated them. But my, my, but my contention is that Harvard-Westlake is going to have plenty of opportunity to, to move up, play good teams. They're going to have to get by. If they're going to win anything of significance, they're going to have to get by Centennial or Sierra Canyon at a certain point. So they'll have plenty of opportunity to move up. I think uh, Damien's in that boat, and, and so is their baseline league rival at Awanda. And then when you look at Northern California, uh, Campolindo, who's kind of like the, 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 the best team last year. Again, there was no playoffs in some sections up north. They were undefeated. And Modesto Christian, which has a good young core, I look at those two teams as teams as possibilities. So, you know, there, there's a lot of teams like that in, in, in that lower range where people can move in. Uh, you know, I started Whitney Young at 32. Uh, okay. Cardinal Hayes was 31. So Whitney Young is the best team in the Chicago Public League. And now they have a really big advantage because number 39, Kenwood Academy, really recently lost J.J. Taylor after I released the rankings to Donda Academy. Me and you could probably get doing a whole other pod about that type of situation. But some teams lost guys to academies. They lost guys to overtime elite. They lost players to, uh, like Scoot Henderson, went to the G League for two years. That's a big loss for Kell High School in Marietta. They were going to be one of the better teams. They'd have probably been in the Fab 50. Newton of Georgia was on that bubble as the fourth team, you know, to be in from Georgia. Wheeler cracked it at 43. We also got Burkmar, who lost in the state championship game last year to Milton, which is a very one of the best teams in the country. And Burkmar was 30. So Newton was right there, but they lost a pair to overtime elite. And overtime recently uh, just played like a series of exhibition games this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a quasi fall league. I don't really know what you call it, Devin. When you have professionals playing against guys who are not getting paid, so I don't know if that qualifies as a exhibition game, a barnstorming game, or you know what do you call it when one team is getting paid and the other is not? I, I I don't really know. But one of the one of the one of the ones they went up with is is Doctor Phillips, and we're gonna we we talked to Ben Witherspoon of Doctor Phillips. They come in at number thirteen in the preseason, so. Again, we, we got a lot of games. People are already getting a lot of games under their belt. And like you said, there's going to be some changes down there with those teams. Those teams have opportunity to move up, but there's like 10 or 15 teams right on their trail. Yeah, I think the California aspect is interesting because usually we have you know more than two yeah. teams in there, um, whether it's one Northern California team but or, and two Southern California, however, however it is. But, yeah, four um, or five total. Yeah. Four or five, yeah, because – and I think Bishop O'Dowd might have been 
you know, a, a cusp team had they not lost Jalen Lewis to overtime elite, their, their, you Correct. know, five-star recruit, uh, big man who's really talented. So, um, interesting, you know, notes on California there is that having only two teams, but as you mentioned, uh, Harvard Westlake, Damian, um, Edwanda, modern day, they all have a chance to move forward, uh, move up. Um, and, uh, we'll see what happens. Let's, uh, let's jump into the one through 15. I think you, you knocked out, you know, 31 to 50. Great. And 16 to 30. Great. Um, there's no surprise with one and two, no surprise at all. It's Montford Academy and IMG running. And yeah. I don't think anyone's shocked by that. Uh, no. what, what, what was the debate that went into, you know, who should be one, who should be two? Well, I think the, the debate is obviously their talent level, but the, the big separator right now on paper is that Montverde has the, you know, interior size and, and I am just going to have to show that they can work on the boards, just like the other teams in the NIBC, the National Interscholastic Basketball Conference, which makes up, you know, this high-level team, Sunrise Christian Academy, number three, La Lamere, who's in the Fab 50 in the mid-range. You know, the, these teams have to kind of show that they can beat Monverde on paper. Monverde is now beat IMG uh, four straight times, so that's another consideration. We know their roster. They would have great players, but I think based on that and based on uh, Monverde have a little more size and replacing – they've done a great job replacing their players recently. Obviously, their 2000, uh, 219, 220 team was one of the best all-time teams. As we already we talked about, Scotty Barnes, he and Cade Cunningham's not even playing yet for Detroit, but those were two great players. They're already making an impact, and, and Scotty Barnes was, was on that team. But they replaced them and and won the national title last year in 2021, and they lost Jalen Durant. So most people would be like, wow, they lost this guy to, to Memphis, but – They've proven that they can reload that. So I think those are the three main factors is the size, showing that they've already proven they can reload, and and the four wins that IMG hasn't beat them since 2019 at Geico. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now, three, Sunrise Christian Academy. Take me through uh, the rest of the top ten. Yeah. You know, Sunrise Christian comes in at number three. Grady Dick's a great player. Obviously, Devin, they had a team that you really loved last year with with Kennedy Chandler and that group of seniors. So they got to replace a little more, but they have a high level of players and they've been able to do that. So th I think they're a solid number three. And then you get into the public schools, you know, some schools that are not in the NIBC that are going to pay for a state title. Camden of New Jersey, obviously with DJ Wagner, he's a great high school player. They've only lost one game in two years with him and he's looking for his first uh, New Jersey tournament of champions title. Milton, who we, who we touched on defending uh, Georgia ch champs and their division the largest division in georgia obviously they played at geico they only lost to img by about five points 73 to 68 they got all their guys back they have depth then oak hill comes at number six i think a lot of the country saw a little bit of oak hill playing against sierra canyon in that border league oak hill lost nine games last year devin and i know our guy steve smith that that's a lot for him he's lost in 37 years he hasn't even lost 100 games yet and like 10 percent of his losses all came last year but I think they have the roster and the talent to show that, you know, they can, you know, con compete for the national title again. So they're at number six. Duncanville, great public school team. I, I like the public school teams being in the mix up there. Obviously, Camden, Milton, and Duncanville. Greatly coached by, uh, you know, Michael Peavy. Great roster. They're going to be playing against um, Sierra Canyon and against Corona Centennial at the Thanksgiving Hood Fest. So we'll have an idea right away how this how this order is shaking up at the top. 
the great DeMath, the Catholic program, one of the most well-known high school programs in the country for a long, long time, over 50 years. They've only had three coaches in 50 years. Mike Jones, who's been a guest on our In the Paint show, has come on. He's moved on to be an associate head coach at Virginia Tech. They have a new coach. He's an interim coach, but he's a former player. He actually coached there when, when Morgan Wooten was there, and he coached Mike Jones as well. So th that's always going to be a situation in that league where you know people are always like, who's going to be the coach? It's a, it gets a lot of attention, and they're the number one team in the WCAC there in, in the Washington area. Sierra Canyon 9 and Imhotep Charter, the best team in Philadelphia, comes in at number 10. So, again, we've touched in on the middle teams. Uh, a little bit. Beaumont United comes in at number two team in Texas at 19. And we have some great teams in, in New Jersey with Roselle Catholic at 20. They're kind of competing for Camden with that, for that TLC crown. They're obviously on the non-public side. And we got a few other teams on the non-public side in, in, in New Jersey that, that cracked the rankings. Gil St. Bernard and, you know, the, the Bergen Catholic at 38 and Gil St. Bernard is pretty much high up there. They're the highest ranked team uh, from the non-publics at number 11. Okay. Let's dive into a little bit more of Sierra Canyon. They've been struggling this fall with a little bit of injuries with Amari Bailey and, okay. and Bronny yeah. James not really playing a whole lot of games. Um, but obviously they added Isaiah Ehelin, who's, I mean, from what I've seen in 224, one of the top five players in the country. Um, Easy, yeah. No doubt. Added, Mike, added Mike Price. I think both of those guys are going to have to adhere to the the 30 day sit out rule or you know whatever it is sure. in you know southern section uh they won't be able to play until december 26th um uh, yeah. via transfer rules so if bailey and Bronny aren't healthy ronnie um as the season approaches and mike price and ehulim have to sit and because johnny right he's i think he's trying to get immediate um eligibility Five man million. i mean yeah. They they could drop a few early games, and you know, sure. would they be if they drop a few early games like that? Would they be able to climb back in, you know, yeah. into the top ten spot? I, I think that's your good point. Would they'll yeah. be able to climb in, but will they be able to climb into where they are? That's right. going to be tough. You know, they they're, they're going to have to beat at some point Centennial and the Plowkin. They're not going to play in the regular season, and also that Duncanville game is big because how about if one of them loses and then one of them beats Duncanville? So that, that will kind of shake out itself. Like you said, I think for them on December 4th, they're going to have to beat St. Vincent, St. Mary of Ohio, which is where LeBron James went to high school in the early 2000s where he became well-known. They're number 37, but they're going to play at Staples Center on December 4th. There's a lot of uh, big games they got toward the back end. They got Camden at the Barclays Centers on uh, January 29th, I believe. And they're playing at the Bass Pro a couple of weeks earlier than that against some good teams. Milton will be there. Uh, Rainier Beach will be there, which just was outside the Fat 50. And so, I mean, Sarah Canyon is going to have its 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 chances, so to speak. Again, like you said, are they the the key thing is are they going to drop some games and then come on strong at the end in the playoffs like they've had, or or is that Camden game going to be a monster game with like two teams that have only lost maybe one game between both of them? I'm kind of leaning toward. Sierra Canyon's going to have to rev it up for the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully, you know, Bronny and hopefully Ari Bailey, who are both, you know, really talented players, uh, are healthy and available to go, you know, right as the season kicks off so we can get a true look at sure. the top team in California. Let's go to uh, Corona Centennial, which is the number two team in California. 
and sure. they have still have a young group right they're the yeah. they're the reigning CIF southern section open division champions but had a young group and they're still young uh i think donovan dent their point guard who's committed to new mexico a uh, senior is probably one of the most underrated players in you know the on the west coast maybe perhaps yeah. in the country he's a really good player and uh jared mccain a 223 guard uh he blew up uh with team why not as they won the 16u uh, Peach Jam Championship, yeah. and they have a couple other guys, uh, Aaron McBride and Devin Williams, both juniors who are both you know very good high school players. Um, Ronnie, what what do you see out of Centennial? And obviously they they had a big loss uh, with Kylan Boswell leaving for Arizona Compass Prep, another yeah. you know highly regarded, highly rated two twenty three guard. How big of a knock did that give Centennial? So say if Boswell's back. Are they, do they start above Sierra Canyon in the Fab 50 or did Sierra Canyon just add so many pieces that there was no, there was no question that Sierra yeah. Canyon top team in California. Yeah. That's the very interesting thing. They would definitely yeah. be a few spots higher. It, it would be right around the Sierra Canyon spots it would be 10, nine, maybe eight, maybe, maybe not in front of the math at eight, but right there, eight, nine, 10. And it would have been a debate. I would have had to say, okay, what do, what do I think here? I think if you're adding Eholim, and and uh, Kajani, right? We don't know about Mike Price completely on his eligibility, like you said, because of the following his AU coach, or is it because Rebay Academy doesn't have a team? You know, how's that ruling going to be ruled? Right, right now, it looks like he followed his his AU coach to a school, and he can't do that. So that that's a consideration. But I think with Isaiah Ehelim joining them over from Heritage Christian, I probably might have still given the nod to them. I, I again, but Boswell's still a great player, so. I didn't have to make that decision because Boswell left, but yeah. they still have a really good team. But also, I think they still have a lot of motivation, Devin. I still, I'll speak because last year the CIF played in in the spring in May and June. I still don't think they got the national respect that they deserve. That because everybody else was done in the country or everybody else season was complete or they didn't have a season. You know, like all the Nevada teams and some other areas in in New York didn't even have a season. So. I think they're a little forgotten, and also they're going to have to prove it. They have two things they have to prove. One is they're going to have to play non-California teams this year, which they are. They're going to play at Hoop Hall South or, or the one in South Dakota. I'm not sure which, which one. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. They're going to play the one in Phoenix, and and they're going to play uh, obviously in the Thanksgiving Hoop Fest here, upcoming, not too not too distant future in in, in Texas. So that is one thing they're going to play against a stronger crop of teams, and then number two. Because of the the way that the COVID has worked in California, we obviously didn't get a championship CIF championship game in 220, and we didn't get one in 221. Devin, they still really haven't won a state title on the court, so yeah. I think that's still motivation for Josh Giles and his group. They 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 haven't won it on the court. They they were they were the number one team, but we as as we know and we talked about it on this pod, they dropped out of the regional because they thought their players got more out of playing in Section Seven. And they still want to win a state title. Yeah, and I think if you know Josh Giles and if yeah. you know him well, his team is always going to come with you know play with a chip on their shoulder and mm -hmm. compete. So, uh, looking forward to seeing those guys uh, um, kind of get back on the court and, and play a little bit of a national schedule, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we throw it to our coach interviews, Ronnie, are there any teams that you see whether it's on the cusp or lower on in the rankings? Uh, that have a chance to really make a move up. Yeah, you know when you when you look at some of these teams, I think when you 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 I like like Glenbard West of 
Glen Allen, Illinois, they were 29. They're the number one team in Illinois over the, the Chicago Public League teams. Uh, great chemistry, great group. They're just a really good high school team. I guess a little bit like Centennial. Not everybody's going to, you know, highly, you know, regarded schools, but they do have uh, uh, Gonzaga commit. So, like you said, that they, they have good players. Braden mm -hmm. Huff's going to Gonzaga. Caden Pierce going to Princeton. Uh, shooting guard Bobby Durkin's going to Army. They have a center, a big rugged center, Ryan Renfro, who's a good high school player. And Paxton Warden, another good high school player, 6'4 guard. So I like a team like that that can that can just win games and move up. I think our, our winner, one of our guests this this season, uh, you know, and he's going to come on. We're going to speak to him in here in a few moments. We spoke to him earlier last week. Archbishop Stepanak at 34. They have a, you know, they're in that Catholic league against number 31, Cardinal Hayes. I gave the nod to Cardinal Hayes. But either one of those teams can can win and move up, so to speak. Iona Prep is good in that Catholic league. And, and in the public league, South Shore of Brooklyn could have a really good team. They're not in the rankings. They're one of those teams that are outside, but you just hope they get a, a regular season because of the public uh, league mandates. They can't travel, things like that in New York. And I think the LA City might be under that same contention, you know, with like Fairfax. Westchester has a, a new coaching staff, and 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 Taft has a pretty good team on paper. But how are, where are they going to be able to play? Are they going to follow these mandates? Are these mandates going to be enforced? Are they going to wear the mask? You know, so it's very interesting if those things happen, but I, those are a few of the teams I like that could potentially move up, you know, uh, Arkansas, North little rock. I put them at number 22. Uh, I, I knew that Nick Smith may be ineligible, but he won his appeal and the Arkansas committee is a great player. He's like a, you know, a national top 10 type player. And they have Khalil Ware as their center six eleven. So that group at number 22, I, I would have had them maybe a few spots higher if I knew Nick was playing for sure, but he is playing, and and they're still going to they would have had a good team without him. But I think they have a chance to move up from number twenty two. Good stuff, Ronnie. Uh, so let's throw it to our first interview, which was conducted last week with uh, Coach Massaroni from Archbishop Stepanak. And just a, a fair warning: my microphone was screwed up during these interviews. Uh, we actually are re-recording this entire podcast because my microphone was screwed up. So if you can deal with the little bit of double talk going on. Uh, Coach Masseroni gives us some great insight on his team. Hey, guys, how are we doing tonight? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. I appreciate you having me on today. For sure. Before we jump into uh, uh, you know, talking to Fat 50, talking to your squad, did you pay attention to any of the NBA's 75 greatest players list? I, I got from you guys or in general? In, in before, before, before you jumped into live stream. Yeah, I, I, I was listening a little bit to what you guys say. I, I got a 16 month at home, so so getting her to bed. I told Ronnie getting her to bed was a a, a process, and the season starting in, in 12 days. Uh, seeing her as my wife, a little bit of a limited role in that point. So I, I tried to right at the time here, but I, I listened to a little bit in the background of it. I've been I've been following the list, and the, and the Twitter critics uh, are all undefeated, right? They are. They always they know are. everything. Yeah. You know, we're just kind of saying like how guys, you just, I brought up Alex English. Nobody, how many people really saw him in real time? And then my second point would be uh, like, you have to see certain player in real time to know how good he is. And I thought Jamano Ginobili fits in that category. Like if you, if you hear about him 20 years ago or 20 years from now and look at his stats, you're going to be like, yeah, he's pretty good. And I think the same, 
thing of Bernard King. If you didn't watch Bernard King in that time, in that frame, you don't really know how good he is. I mean, Ginobili, right? I mean, he was the glue to you know, yeah. Duncan and Parker got the credit. And was right. he even with Robinson? Was he still there when Robinson was there? I mean, yeah, I think the last year, maybe last year. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah. he, I mean, the shots he made and, and how he defended and the way he played the game. So, I mean, 75 is hard. I mean, they, yeah. you, people debate the top 10. Now we're debating top 75 of all time. And, yeah. Um. It, it's hard. It's hard. So you can, no you, doubt about you, it. You can go and go every which any 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 time. To, uh, my series going over here. Anyways, go give us a run rundown of, of team. What you like so far uh, from the from a roster standpoint uh, as far as players go. But what have you liked also in, in like a practice standpoint and what you've seen on the court? Yeah. So uh, we we have a um, a group. We we return ten guys that yeah. uh, were on a. Very shortened pandemic season in New York. Um, we we had to make something out of nothing um, for our league. And I know Ronnie knows a little bit about that. But we returned 10 guys. So when you return 10 guys and we've only we only played 10 or 11 games, it's, it's still something. It's valuable. Um, and we have a combo of, of half the team is juniors and seniors and half the team is, is going to be sophomores and freshmen. So it's, it's a balance of depth and a balance of – um, you know, experience and, and youth. Uh, so we like our group. We really do. We're long. We're athletic. You know, six nine, six seven, six five, and then we probably have a three point guards that all could play on or off the ball. Gotcha, Coach. I put you at guys at number thirty four. It's about the range that you probably would expect. You know, obviously coming off a season where you didn't have much of a season. But talk a little bit about your seniors and then how much it means to them now, especially going through what they went through last year and how they really want to have, first of all, a complete season. And then second of all, you know, just kind of want to, you know, maybe secure a scholarship or just get the best possible opportunities to play a full season and to, to really try to get to that federation level. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is is to play a full season, right? 24 games, six, seven, we get eight scrimmages. We usually save one before the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, play 24 games, travel the way we do, um, you know, across the country. Um, it, it's what these kids want. And uh, our administration is behind that and, and for it. Um, you know, I feel for our seniors right now. They're, they're in a tough spot. The transfer portal is impacted last year's class, this year's class, and it's going to impact the 23 guys, unless you're a top 100 kid. Um and and I, I just tell them they're frustrated. You know, they, they want commitments, they wanna they want offers, and uh, and they're gonna get there. But if you go proven on the court, and I keep telling college guys is if you take one of these guys, they're not gonna they're not gonna hurt you. They're gonna help your roster, they're gonna help you win, and they got experience of, of playing the best of the best, day in and day out in, in what we do and, and being developed and worked and and that's what it's all about. Coach, obviously the New York area was kind of really, I mean, when you look at it from a national standpoint, the artist in the basketball standpoint, uh, you only played 10 games game from the pandemic. Like, like even California, when it was pretty stringent on things, we to see the spring and at least what, right, 23 game games or something like yeah. um, How do you kind of regroup and get guys ready to go? Or they just hungry? You don't need to worry about any of that. Yeah, if our guys after last year can't be. <laughs> Can't be motivated. Um, I'm not sure they they love the game, right? You know, and and just to, to plug this a little bit, if it wasn't for our my administration and our league, we we would have played 
four games. Um, and we ended up hosting, I think it was ended up being 71 games in five and a half weeks, six days a week. And a lot went into it. But uh, these kids, you know, we opened the season down at the National High School Festival in D.C. or excuse me, in, in uh, Hydesville, Maryland. And I can't tell you, these guys got a countdown to that. You know, they're, they're, they, they are ready to play. And Ronnie knows we'll play anybody anywhere. We have a limit on seven non-league games. But uh, these kids are ready for the challenge. They're ready to, ready to out-compete. Uh, you know, I, I think Ronnie's got us at a point of spot. Could we go up as the year goes? It, it's in our guys' hands and, and how they perform. But, you know, New York was in a tough spot last year. It was, it was a shame what happened to the kids across the whole state. Um, and we were one of four sanctioned leagues that, that want the only one that did anything. And uh, I give credit to everybody that made that happen. But our guys are fired up. November 6th, our first official practice. Had a great, great season. Uh, we've had over 50 college coaches in the gym. Lifting, running. We're, we're excited. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine you guys would be fired up. So, obviously, you got the, the, the veterans with, with Samuel, Joel, Isaiah Alexander. Talk a little bit about Boogie Flan, Jacob, and some of the guys that were at the Pangos event this past weekend. Well, I got a chance to see a little bit. And just how they fit in, you know, who's going to have to step up? Where do you see yourself having to improve when you play against Cardinal Hills and some of the other better teams on your schedule? Yeah, I mean, Hayes, we've got size. they got depth. Um, they're long. You know, you go down the list. Christ the King has got seven-footer length. St. Francis Prep is good. Iona's going to be good. So, uh, I really like our group. Like I said, you got the Sam, Joels, Isaiah's, the three seniors that all returned who started for us last year. But then you mix in Jacob, who's now 6'9". Um, you know, he he's just untapped potential on what he could be. Uh, Boogie. Obviously, everybody knows Boogie's four or five star ranked, depending where you look at it. You, you know, Ron was the underclassman All American in that short amount of games. Um, special, special player, special talent. I think the biggest thing for Boogie, he's taken a tremendous stride being a leader. Um, and in a pandemic stricken season, you know, three days a week he's on Zoom, two days he's in class, many games he's not. We were delayed. You know, it's tough being a leader when you're the, when you're one of the better players. Um, you know, we added Braylon Ritvo, who's a six-six transfer from Manhattan, and then we have a by the name of Danny Carbuccia, who I know lit it up down at Pangos. You know, made the top thirty cream of the crop game, and um, he was on the the DR FIBA team that uh, you know all FIBA out there USA won, but he he put on a good show as well. So we we have great depth. Um, I think we have another another guy by the name of Ben Little, um, who's a junior, who uh, he you want him on your team and you don't want to play against him. The kid plays so hard. Um, he's got a combination of like Draymond Green, Dennis Rodman mixed together, but he's the nicest kid. So don't don't put a profile on him that he's going in the stands punching people. But uh, or, you know Ben Wallace type, um, 6'4", 220, a pure muscle. And he's going to help us win a lot of games. And uh, and if we go small, he he kind of can play the five. In today's world, the game has changed. I mean. You know, size is important, and I think, like I told you, Ron. I mean, yeah. our national schedule. We need our big guys to play well, um, but we, you know, small ball. We don't mind people adjusting what we do. But uh, yeah, we like our group. We're, we're deep. Uh, we could probably start the coach talk. But we could probably start seven guys. We just got to figure out the five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coach. How do you whittle that down? How do you figure figure that out? Um, is it is it is it practice? I know you, I know you you've been there a long time. I'm with a lot of level guys. 
you have an approach that you can kind of break that down and figure out the best five stars? Yeah, I would say the best thing that happened to me and us, you know, I Rodney Swain, who's my associate head coach, has been with me from day one. And uh, we went 10 and 18 in, in year one with a kid who ended up at Duke and a kid who ended up at, at LSU. Um, you know, so we weren't very good. Uh, and then the following year went 18 and 10 and then, you know, kind of got on going 27 and 5. But the best thing about the kids we've had in this program from, you know, Alan Griffin, who just signed – uh, just got drafted in the G League draft to Joel Soriano's at St. John's, um, Xavier Wilson uh, went to Central Connecticut State, and then obviously RJ and AJ. Our best players brought it every day. You know, I, I take this line from Swain. He talked about those guys. If we had 500 practices in their career, they were the best players, 495. And we just give that info to our guys saying, you got to bring it every day. And, and when we have an opportunity for seven guys to start, the competition is is through the roof, and I think that's what makes teams really good. When you could practice harder than you play, um, makes you successful. And and then the last thing in today's world, kids, uh, I saw a tweet yesterday. I mean, everybody wants to play on varsity. Everybody wants gear. Everybody wants to be the best. Everybody wants to be ranked. Everybody wants all that. I think the best teams and the, the reason we've been successful is kids have bought into roles. Kids have bought into our culture, and and we've gotten better every single year from November. To, you know, and we've been fortunate enough to play the end of March. So that's the mindset we have. And you got to bring it no matter if you're a freshman or a senior or anywhere in between. You got to bring it every day. Coach, in closing, I know you're supposed to go to the Chick-fil-A in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and I know there may be some things on your schedule from the public league PSAL that you may not be able to schedule. They may not be able to play non-public school teams. Is there? Are you guys all clear to go to go anywhere in the country? And then, what's the latest with the PSA? Out to give some people some kind of knowledge in the largest school district in the country. Are are they going to even have a season? Are they going to have anything close to a normal season that you know? Yeah. So that's the first part. Uh, we're full go. Uh, the Catholic High School League of New York has um, given full clearance, so we'll be in in Maryland. We'll be in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And we'll be in uh, Springfield, you know, for hoop ball. Um, you know, and we're thankful to uh, to our league and to our administrators that have made that happen. Um, you know, we'll actually find out hopefully at the end of the week what our fan policies will be. Uh, we have a meeting this week, uh, and we should. And uh, I, I'm just going to say on the other part, the PSAL has has got some of the best people, the best coaches that are involved in this game. We we scrimmage or play them. You know, from Cardoza to Jefferson to Wings to South Shore, you name it. We we play those guys or scrimmage them, and, and we get so much out of it. And what they're doing to those kids and those coaches is a complete shame. So, so we have approved the season for them. However, the entire roster and coaches must be vaccinated, and they must play only PSAL in New York City schools. Gotcha. Which is, you know, hey, look, it's better than nothing. But you have some teams in New York that, that you know, South Shore, Jefferson, PSL, um, and uh, Jefferson Wings, Brooklyn Collegiate, Eagle that that play some teams out of the area, um, even play our league. And now they can't. And, and, and um, I'm, I'm a pro CHSA guy. I, we're still the best league in the state. But what they're doing to those kids and those coaches just isn't isn't right and they, and and they're fighting i mean they, they had a big rally back to back weeks at, at barclays and uh they got to this point um the last rally got them to have fans 
So, you know, I, I give it to those coaches. They keep fighting for these kids, and, and that's what it's about. Appreciate that, Coach. And, yeah, that that makes sense. You know, I, I went to school in the Hella USD, which is the second largest school district, and I, I understand some of that, you know, just bureaucracy and, and such a large amount of people and trying to make the right decision. So, yeah, those coaches, I know they fight and claw for everything they got, so hopefully they get something close to a, to a normal season. So, Coach, we appreciate your time, and good luck this season, and we'll see you soon and talk soon. Hey, guys, thanks a lot for all you do. And uh... – and, and for everything for the high school game and, and appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be timed in the rest of the show and uh, see you guys somewhere around the country soon. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks coach. All right. I want to thank again, coach Masseroni for jumping on last week. And now we can throw it to uh, coach Ben Witherspoon of number 13, Dr. Phillips. Um, obviously the interview was recorded last week. And if you can deal with a little bit of the audio issues, take a listen. Thanks for having me, guys. Just just sped home from practice. Yeah. Uh, excited to talk to you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Ronnie, Coach, give us the rundown. I mean, basic, you know, how you know, is practice going? When did it start? And, and uh, I know in the fall leagues in Florida, uh, can, can coaches coach throughout the fall leagues? And, and then when does official practice start? Right. Uh, we, we've got some rules in Florida um, where we're supposed to – um, not practice together as, as a, a, our high school team, uh, not with our jerseys, do that kind of thing, register as uh, a club team, and that's what we've done for the fall. Um, but um, I, I give our guys the first week of school off, uh, get to get their bearings together, and then we're in the gym. Um, so guys have been working extremely hard on the floor, the weight room, uh, in the film room. Uh, we, we film a lot in the fall, spend a lot of time watching film in the fall. Uh, great time to get better and, and have guys uh, make, make a lot of mistakes. But, and figure things out before the year starts. Yeah, you know, it is it's gonna be a long season. It's gonna be an exciting season. I think people are ready to kind of have a normal season, coach. Talk a little bit about that. You guys obviously in Florida got a pretty good regular season last year, unlike other states. You know, you guys were able to play a pretty much your full schedule. You went on to win a state title, but just how how fired up are the guys to maybe play uh, tougher teams, a better schedule, and to get that out there and show that they're one of the best teams in the country? Yeah, uh, last year was good for us as far as the basketball team. Our our, um, our governor here in Florida kind of kind of lets everything go, um, which is <laughs> good good in some regards. Um, maybe not others, but as far as our basketball season, it was great. Um, so, so we were able to play a lot um, and almost have a full season. The big thing was uh, we were only allowed to have, you know, 25% capacity at our game. So our games were selling out and selling out last year. Literally, we put them up if we're gone. So it would be nice to, to play in front of, hopefully, um, full capacity crowds, um, be able to travel uh, outside of our county, our area, uh, play at, at the big our guys are excited. Um, we're playing. And Dr. Phillips Basketball Club is playing in overtime uh, this weekend uh, in Atlanta. They're opening at their new arena um, both Friday and Saturday. So our guys are super excited for that. And then we started official practice as soon as we get back that Monday. Coach, Coach, how do you pair to go down, go down to overtime elites facility? Play them, you know, in their opening game, you know, all, all those big time games that they sign and things like that. How do you prepare your guys to go play that game? Maybe not get too high and, and, and not, you know, 
get too low. How's that work? Um, obviously, overtime has a tremendous amount of talent, um, and our guys play against high level talent all summer, and then um, us as well. Like you know, in June, we played Milton and Wheeler down here in, in, from, from Georgia, a high level team, nationally ranked team. So um, they're used to that. Um, but the tough part is they're they're also used to full scouts and shoot rounds and us being able to prepare them coming. Uh, we have no idea. Um, we are expecting overtime obviously to be fast and athletic, and you know we we done our research as far as personnel goes, but but um, sets and things we don't know what's coming. We know it's going to be pro style stuff. But other than that, uh, it's focusing on our habits and uh, things that we do and who we are um, and things that we do every day, doing it at the highest level possible, not wasting any possession. Uh, obviously, a little different because we have a shot clock this weekend. We don't have a shot clock in Florida just yet. Uh, thankfully, the city of will be shot clock. Um, so that changes our approach. Um, and, and this week changes changes our practice and basically us practicing more of a, a, a college pro style. Yeah. Uh, with only five guys on the lane, eight seconds in the backcourt, you know, 30 seconds, 30 seconds 14, uh, doing all those things to, to get our guys ready to go. Yeah, Coach, talk a little bit about this upcoming, like you said, getting ready to go, and, and you're going to be in the city of Palms. Now, obviously, in the rankings, from a ranking standpoint, I had you guys 13. Obviously, it was going to come down to three teams that everybody knew were kind of very, very good and had a chance to be the number one team as far as playing for a state title. So you guys, and then it would be obviously, you know, the two other big teams, Westminster Christian and uh, Dr. Phillips and, 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 and the team that came in, you know, right behind them, Calvary Christian and Orlando Christian. So Orlando Christian was undefeated. They lost some, some guys. And I just felt the difference was that you guys bringing back Ernest was would be a big difference you know so are you guys scheduled to play any of those, those three teams are scheduled to play or is it only going to have a chance to meet in the city of palms if the bracket just happened to play out that way yeah um well we're fired up obviously the city of palms it's um being that i was at montverde previously two years the first time i was there played in one city of palms. um it's one of the best events in the country if not the best event in the country um so a goal of mine is to get get my own team there. <laughs> um, so excited for our guys that they'll get to do that. Um, we we are scheduled to play Orlando Christian Prep at their event called the Showdown in O Town uh, in early January. I believe it's January eighth um, on Saturday. It's either January eighth or ninth. Right. We are scheduled to play OCP. Gotcha. Um, two best teams in our, in our city right now. Right now. Would be the biggest game in Orlando without question. So um, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we're not scheduled to play Calgary right now. Um, I believe they're at Mate at Montverde Invitational yes. as well. So we got possibly two chances to play them at City of Palms or, or Montverde Invitational. Yeah. yeah. Take us through your take your roster a little bit and then give give us the the good. And you know why you guys are that in that number thirteen spot, and kind of where you need to shore up some things and make sure that you stay in that spot, or you know rise high. Yeah. Um, 
first of all. I mean, there's there's an incredible amount of talented teams uh, in the country right now, um, and especially that ball's like Paul. I mean, the 12 teams that are uh, super talented and great. Um, we'd, we'd be fortunate to move up at all this year, and uh, hopefully we, we have a good year and, and we're able to do that. But um, our roster really starts with our point guard, Denzel Aberdeen, um, 6'4", senior this year, committed to Florida. Um, kid that was under-recruited coming into the summer. Uh, he was just dominant in June. Uh, blew up at, at the uh, team camp out there in June. And, and we beat Milton and we beat Wheeler. And Denzel was the best player on the floor. Um, so really happy for him, obviously, getting you know the recognition he deserves. But he's, he's a high-level scorer, uh, runs a show for us. Trust him with the ball. I, I get to relax and, and look at the other things and, and call plays. He has it. Yeah, I'm 100% relaxed. Um, he's a big time guy for us. And then uh, on the wing, six five guard Riley Kugel, um, committed to Mississippi State. Riley is a high level. Uh, has a great, great, great game. Incredible. His season's lower at the level. Um, can handle it. Can shoot it. Uh, can can guard uh, multiple positions. Uh, He's one of the best wings in the country. Uh, and then big Ernest in the middle. Anchors our defense, anchors our rebounding. Um, just committed to Kansas this past week. It's just got a better offense. Uh, he has changed how we're going to play, and uh, we have to throw it down there uh, because he's he's a load to handle now on the offensive end. He can put his back to the basket, face up, make a, a mid-range jump shot. So, um, apart from those three guys, uh, Jordan Tillery, 2024, wing, 6'4". Um, Jordan is long. He's athletic. He is uh, going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, every high major coach that we had in the gym is like, like, holy, who is that kid? What is he doing? <laughs> uh, what's going on with him? Uh, because he's flying. He plays as hard as anybody we have, which is a massive compliment with Ernest on our team. Our team Ernest is He's a high of a motor of anybody in the country. Jordan is playing as hard as anybody on our roster. Um, defensively, he's everywhere. Offensively, in transition, he's hard to guard. We had a scrimmage on Saturday. He hit four threes in the second half. So uh, he's a kid. He's a Division One player without question. That that's people are going to see this year. Uh, got a transfer in Carter McDowell, six six, from Alberta Academy. Uh, going to help big time on the boards uh, for us, size wise and length wise. And, and he's versatile. He could be able to pass as well. Um, and then um, two, two senior guards that we have are just steady, experienced, Mason Sheffield and Jackson Slater. Uh, we can count on them um, to, to know our stuff, uh, both scholarship-level players uh, at some level in college. Um, and they'll, they'll help us do all the little things around all those guys. Yeah, you, know, you have a great roster, and you've gotten a lot of experience. Um, you know, you, you did mention in the preseason that, that obviously Ernest is in the middle, but when you play the, the like I said, the 12 teams in front of you or have the opportunity to play, you're a little concerned about the rebounding. Do you still feel that way, or is there other areas that you're trying to shore up in preparation for your opener? Yeah, um, somewhat of a concern, not as big of a concern now that Ernest is back playing. Uh, he had a little finger issue, so he was out a little bit, and um, it kind of gave me a chance to see other guys without him. Um, but playing the past few weeks here with him back and those other guys, uh, Jonathan Casado is a transfer we got in from, from Clearwater Calvary Christian. 
six six kid plays his butt off, plays hard. Um, he's a big time rebounder. I mean, yeah. and he helps a ton when, when he's in there. Carter uh, will, will help out. Riley's a six five athletic wing. Uh, he's a triple double threat literally every night, even in a high school game of thirty two minutes. I mean, he's gonna play a bunch of minutes for us. I mean, he's he's that good and that versatile, and and, and he helps on the boards. So. Um, Obviously, when we, we face front lines of 6'10 and 6'9, uh, <laughs> yeah. two of them, we're going to have to box out. Um, but uh, I think if, if we're nasty and we're physical the, the way that, that we're coached, uh, we'll be okay. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that, that like you said, it comes down to the little things. And I know you guys are excited. I know the city is excited. you got to be excited for that game in January. And, and just how excited are you to – to play and like to kind of debate, like okay, we're gonna get a play a chance to play with these teams that you didn't get a chance to play last year. It seems like everybody's schedule is better, and then maybe finish with a state another state title, and then maybe a chance for Geico. Have you guys thought about that, or is it just too far away? Just trying to get one game at a time. No, I mean we've a hundred percent thought about it. Uh, our goals have to be pushed beyond what they were last year. The goal was to win a state championship. Our, our school had never done that. Um, our guys have never done that, obviously. So uh, that was the goal to win the first state championship in school history. Um, we were fortunate enough to do that the year before with my first year, Dr. Phillips. Hadn't won 20 games in six years. Six years. Six years. So we got to win a district championship uh, that year, and, and we did. Um, so uh, the next step here is we want to get to Geico. Uh, we do. Um, that's, that's our goal. That's what we talked about. Um, and that's what we use as a measuring stick to, to prep to push our guys to play as hard as we can. Not about you know, you know beating local teams or disrespect to anybody, but uh, our goals have to be bigger, um, and, and our goals are definitely bigger than our talent. So we have to be great. We really want to thank both coaches for jumping on with us, and I would like to apologize personally for my microphone audio issues uh, during those interviews. But uh, Ronnie, uh, unless yeah. we got anything else to, to talk about, I don't think I don't think we do. We we covered everything. Um, you know, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the In the Paint Show, and make sure you go to ballslife.com, check out the three different releases of the Fab 50 National Preseason Rankings. Uh, and make sure you follow it along all season as Ronnie will be updating it, you know, basically every week because games are starting soon. So, um, and if you have the time, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, uh, turn on the notifications for our podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the In the Paint Show. But until the next episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.